This is the Mind and Wellness Podcast. We're raising mental health awareness by discussing the little things you can do to enhance your life, covering topics like anxiety, depression, and how to handle life's pressures. With your host, Quinn Maroney, and myself, Scott Quinnell, together we will show you how to improve your mind and wellness. This podcast is brought to you by Midwest Center for Personal and Family Development, a mental health clinic in the greater Twin Cities area. No matter what, there are people to help. For more information, visit mentalhealthinc.com or call them at 651-647-1900. We are back in the studio, and unfortunately, I have some bad news. Uh, Quinn is actually out sick today, but I have some good news. We have a guest today, uh, Jennifer Herman. She's here from Midwest Center. Uh, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, as you said, I am one of the clinicians here at Midwest Center, and I have been here for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and independent clinical social worker, and I specialize in working with children, teens, couples, families, blended families, and I also do EMDR, sand play, sand tray, and play therapy. What is EMDR? Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's really commonly used with individuals that have struggled with trauma. Interesting, interesting. Where, uh, Jennifer, where did you graduate from? Where did you go to college? So I, my undergrad is from the University of Eau Claire, and then I went to Madison. And then I got my master's at the University of Milwaukee with an MSW, and I also completed a certificate in trauma counseling there. Wow. So you're from Wisconsin? I am. Badger fan? I am. Go Badgers, go Badgers. All right. So like I said before, uh, Jennifer and I are going to be talking about uh, topics like sleep apnea, uh, insomnia, and habits you can do to wind down at night. So sleep is an important topic because it is as essential for our bodies as water and food is. It's an important part of our daily routine. It's an, it's an important part of our life. How long do we spend asleep? Actually, one-third of our life is spent sleeping. So one-third of our life is spent recovering and, and, and just rejuvenating it. Really? Yeah. In fact, it is true. And in a recent research study suggested that sleep plays a role in removing toxins in your brain that build up while you're awake. And so a lack of sleep affects mood, energy, and concentration levels. And it affects our relationships and our ability to stay awake and function at work during the day. One question I have for you is, how is sleep and, and health related overall? So, Scott, how I can answer that is that sleep and health are strongly related. Sleep disturbances can be one of the first signs of distress. Common mental health problems like anxiety and depression can often be associated with sleep problems. And then, as so far as medical issues, Sleep disturbances have also been linked to an increase in heart disease, cancer, memory issues, reduced immune system, and weight gain. Does it increase uh, 
like hypertension, high blood pressure? It does in the sense that your body hasn't been able to rejuvenate and, you know, the toxins are still in your body. It affects the, all systems is what the studies are showing. Right, right, right. So Jennifer, in your private mental health practice, is there a diagnosis that you see that associates with sleeping disorders more? Yeah, actually I do. When people come in with anxiety and depression, that's when I see a lot of individuals that will note that they have sleep disturbances. And in fact, there's a study that's out that says that 50% of adults that have generalized anxiety disorder actually have a sleep disorder. So, so why is it that those two correlate so often? It's really because people with anxiety disorders really ruminate on concerns and issues that they are struggling with in their daily lives. Concerns like what? Like what's, what's one that you see more often than not? It can be familial issues, work issues, self-esteem, things that aren't going well in their life. And, you know, the pandemic, things that are out of their control, that they feel that they don't have a handle on. So there's one question, and I find myself asking questions like these all the time. But, you know, in your practice, how does social media and the use of social media between younger adults, teens, how does that correlate to, to sleeping issues? That's an excellent question, Scott. And actually, I'm seeing three teens right now that have sleep disturbances and anxiety. And it is correlated with the pandemic and the anxiety around what's in their control, what they're seeing on um, social media. And so we're really talking about limiting their viewing, um, how much exposure they have to uh, the news and um, what they're learning. So what about social media? So when you talk about like viewing, um, whatever it may be, what about social media do you find that affects like a teen's mental health the most? So like we talked about this last episode, I, I find that likes, so likes on Instagram, um, whether you get more likes or like enough likes um, can like satisfy a person. But if you don't get enough likes, someone starts questioning their post and their self-image. So what do you see more often than not that, that affects uh, like a teen's mental health in the social media world? So we talk about what is it about the likes that are important to them? Is it who the likes are from? Because ultimately, the people who are your closest friends matter the most. These likes that are for pe- from people that you don't even know of who they are, what their values are, why does that matter? How does, how does sleep change with age? So everybody knows that, you know, when you're a baby, you sleep longer, and then when you're older, you don't need as much sleep. But what are the specific recommendations for each age? Yeah, so I'm going to break this down, and I know that it might uh, seem like I'm giving a lot of data, but it really is important that parents and kids and teens really understand the value of sleep and how important it is based on their age. 
So anything less than seven hours of sleep is considered a shortage of sleep for any human. And you think about it, not very many people get seven hours no, not of sleep. A lot. No, not at all. So for babies, 16 to 18 hours. Which, that makes sense. And that's usually what babies get. For preschool to five years of age, 10 to 13 hours. Okay, okay. School-aged children, and those are from 6 to 13, 9 to 11 hours of sleep. Teenagers, 14 to 17 years of age, 8 to 10 hours of sleep. 8 to 10. I guess that makes sense because especially in high school, that's kind of when sports and other activities are getting a little bit more strenuous and it wears down your body a little bit more. And so they need to recover more than the average, you know, older adult, right? Yes. And unfortunately, that is the age group that we see that are not getting enough sleep out of any age group, which is so concerning. And I I am definitely guilty about that when I was back in high school. For young adults, 18 to 25, seven to nine hours asleep. And that's also for adults, 26 to 64. So once you pass that like adolescent uh, teenage it's typically like seven to nine hours of sleep. Correct. Is ideal. And then with the elderly population, they don't sleep as well throughout the night. Their body just doesn't. And so that's why you will find that the elder population will have to take naps more during the day. So there's going to be a lot of listeners out there that are just like me, where they find themselves not getting enough sleep. So you say seven hours of sleep is the minimum, but you don't you know, so you don't go to bed at midnight and wake up at seven. That's not seven hours of sleep, correct? correct? You should go to bed at like 1130 or how long does it take to fall asleep? Well, that's what you have to figure out is how long does it take your body to wind down? Right. Because this really is when you are going through your sleep cycle. So you have to back up. If it takes your body a half an hour to wind down, then you need to back that time up. You need to kind of figure that out for yourself a little bit. Correct. So in your opinion, what are some steps uh, somebody can do to wind down at night? So I recommend before bed, trying to take a warm bath or shower, reading. Reading is super beneficial. It is. It also can be charging sometimes too. So you have to really know your own temperament. For me, reading at night is relaxing. But I know several people that just get fixed in their, their book, and so it doesn't work for them. Um, room temperature. Sleeping at 65 degrees is optimum for a restful sleep. So having your room at that temperature, have it be dim, listening to soft music, sometimes stretching at night before you crawl into bed. Are you a big fan of the, uh, the nature sounds that people play? <laughs> oh my gosh, some disclosure here. Yes, uh, yeah. I do. What's your favorite <laughs> one? Well, then we'll go back, but what's your favorite one? Oh, I listen to crickets, frogs, and streams. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I love this. Yeah, the streams are the one that, like, if I need it, it's go-to. Yeah, 
And then the white noises kind of falls under that a little bit too. It does. So th- people, yeah. So people use a fan. Um, that's really popular. There's also sound machines that just play that that white noise. Um, so definitely. Yep, absolutely. Those have been really helpful. Um, so meditation. Some people just like to sit in silence and just listen to themselves breathe. And then lastly, maybe not watching TV or computer games. Social media. Right. And that's for two things. One is it's stimulating for the brain. And number two, the light that's reflected off of those um, devices is also very charging for the brain. That's blue light, right? The light that we don't, that the brain does not want. Correct. So many people, when they read off of their devices, tablets, or their phone, you know, they can change the light setting on their phone um, or their tablet so that it won't be as disruptive at night. But TVs, maybe more of the smart TVs have that feature, I'm not sure. But that's something to be mindful of. And certainly if you're gaming, that you know, that's a concern. Yeah, if you're gaming, go straight to bed. Because with the gaming too, it's that rapid movement a little bit too. That kind of confuses the brain and gets it all hyped up. And then, if, and then it's harder to sleep. And so we have the, the habits you can do to wind down at night. What are some healthy habits you can do before you wind down? So number one that I would recommend is being consistent. Going to bed every night and getting up every morning. At the same time. At the same time. And this includes weekends. And I got to tell you, I am, <laughs> I am not, uh, I, I am not one to follow my recommendations. Uh, I don't get up the same time on the weekends, but I don't have that issue. But for somebody that does, even on the weekends, that's what the studies say. Just consistency. And then um, again, making the bedroom quiet, dark, relaxing. Again, at that that temperature at sixty five. Removing those electronic devices, TVs, you know, that temptation to have it on, I would say, you know, really think about that. So what's your opinion? So when somebody goes to bed, um, let's say they go to bed at like 10, the sun's down, there's no light outside. What is your opinion? Should they have the blinds closed or open so they wake up to the sunlight? And I'll tell you what my favorite or what my opinion on that is, but I want to see what yours is first. So I sleep with my shades up. I do too. So, but again, that doesn't bother me. Again, for somebody that that tends to struggle with that, um, I would say no, you know, then you need to. Would you, so with somebody who, who does struggle with uh, like sleeping disorders, would you recommend that they wake up to the natural sunlight or to the of the alarm i would i would say that they would need to have a dark room and wake up to their alarm and a couple more thoughts avoid large meals caffeine and alcohol before bedtime and get exercise during the day not exercising 20 to 30 minutes before bed Exercise is best during the day, in the morning, or early afternoon, and leave the bed for sleep and sex. 
<laughs> and there's one thing I want to jump in on with uh, don't eat large meals or caffeine or alcohol. So when you eat anything, really, your body takes those nutrients and it needs to digest them, which takes and creates energy. And so that's why um, if you eat like a snack or ice cream, so ice cream, for example, a lot of people eat ice cream before bed, right? So ice cream is made up of simple sugars or simple carbohydrates, which is dissolved and then um, turned into energy the quickest. So a lot of athletes, Gatorade has a lot of sugar in it. And so that's why they drink it before any of their competitions is because it's digested and then released as energy super fast. That's why I'm, I'm against eating large meals just like you before um, bed. And then caffeine. I mean, that, don't drink caffeine before bed. It's a stimulant. It'll keep you up and whatever. And then I cannot agree more with you on exercising before bed um, because I just want anyone out there uh, that wants to get into exercise or exercise that night, try to motivate yourself and exercise in the morning. It'll increase your motivation, productivity, and energy throughout the day. And with that, I would like to say thank you, Jennifer, for coming out today. Thank you for having me, Scott. You can find us on Facebook at The Mind and Wellness Podcast, and you can find out more info about Midwest Center at midwestcenter4u.com. Thanks for listening.